Yeah, what up, y'all? This your boy Flame, aka St. Lou. And remember, God does not need our good works, but our neighbor does. You feel? I say before you go, that extra note. <laughs> Welcome back to Extra Notes Academy. This is episode number four. We are moving along. We are still talking about baptism and really just the joy of this teaching is such a sweet doctrine that is just, oh my goodness, it's done something in my heart, in my mind, in my affections, in my desire really to just rest in what God has accomplished for us. And that frees me up to love, to get out here and do good for my neighbor because I know God got me. I'm assured, I'm kept in my baptism. So I'm super lit about it, still excited to talk about it with you all and unpack. Matter of fact, I just want to read one of the comments that someone left on my YouTube channel, Extra Nose Academy. Um, this is this was encouraging for me to read. It's not long. He just says, as a reformed Baptist myself, I've been thinking through these doctrines without any presuppositions from my own traditions. Thank you guys for helping me see from your perspective and think more critically about my own beliefs. When I read that, I said, man, praise God. You know, it sounds like a person who is free to consider beyond his circle, free to consider beyond his theological tradition. And I think that's a healthy place to be, um, knowing that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, knowing that ultimately we're trying to seek God and his word to see what it says and what God has to say about baptism. So just to have that freedom and then for him to take the time to leave that comment, I really appreciate that. That does the heart well. I'm encouraged and I hope many more people will follow after him. I don't want to say his name because I don't want to put him out there. But um, yeah, if you go to the video baptism Q&A with myself, Brian Wolfmuller and Lex Lutheran, you'll see his comment up there and just give him a like, give him a comment and just let him know. Say, man, thank you for sharing that. That encouraged me to do the same. You know, and I really I love comments like that because I love seeing people experience the the joy of their salvation, you know, and the sacraments was given for our joy, for our assurance, our peace. And oftentimes in a lot of American churches, the sacraments just aren't discussed. Uh, let's talk about the Lord's Supper, for example, maybe once every month, a few times a year, churches will celebrate communion. Uh, baptism is mostly kept around new membership Maybe when someone wants to hit reset or have a fresh start, then baptism will come up. But by and large, the sacraments are set to the side and Christianity mostly is about our activity of living a moral life and getting out in the world doing good things. That's kind of the way Christianity is framed. But the sacraments come in and they break up that party and they come in and say, hey, consider these realities that God is incorporated in your faith to ease the burden, to empower you to move out into the world from love, as opposed to trying to keep some standard in hopes that you would please God. It's just, it's just not that. So anyway, much more could be said. I've talked your head off enough. We're going to get into this next song. This next song is titled Why Wait? Shout out to the homie George Rose, a.k.a. G. Rose. He's just a super talented producer, rapper, singer, dancer. He's one of those guys. <laughs> but it was so cool because um, the Brody Lex Lutheran from Wittenberg Project on YouTube. Check out his channel. Uh, it was so dope because he came to me and he was just like, man, bro, I was reading through Acts. And just thinking about Saul's conversion to Paul and how the Lord instructed him to be baptized to wash away his sins. 
And uh, he just was talking about that. And I was like, that's right. And he was like, man, why wait? Like, that would be so dope. So just, you know, shout out to him for just highlighting that text. And just while we all in the studio vibing, um, this song came together. And so I'm going to play it. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about it. And then we'll keep it going. Let's get into it. Hey, we ain't talking about no spirit baptism either. Scripture don't make that distinction. Why wait? Damascus Road, persecuting was a gone. Scripture said it's about known. Then a light of heaven shone. Saul, why did you persecute me? Law, I don't even know who you be. Yeah, the one you're persecuting. I am Jesus the Nazarene. Whoa. Then he said, What should I do? Go. Jesus spoke, rise up and go. go. Into Damascus, you'll be told. When you get there, what you supposed to do? Light you black, got blinded. See, by his hand, got guided. Please, then met Ananias. Leave out Mr. Byer. What he say? What he say? What he say? What he say? On baptism without your presuppositions And the washings in the Old Testament Like Naaman washed in the Jordan River Don't forget the Levitical priestly washings And Ezekiel's vision You get the picture from the scripture That baptism is now the fulfillment Sometimes water drowns God use it to judge Sometimes water saves Think of Noah's blood In the boat, the boat was floating Window opened, then Noah sent out a dove The second time the dove came in And her mouth was an olive freshly plucked Peter said they were saved through the water Like Israel was saved through the water When Moses split the Red Sea He judged some and made sons and daughters It's by faith, it's not magic Don't have faith, you can't access forgiveness If you resist, then that's it But if it's repentance happening by the spirit Then I'm asking Why wait? Why wait? That was so lit. Man, that's one of my favorite songs. Like, I cannot wait to perform this song. It's going to be so lit on stage. Like, ah, uh, trust me, it's going to be lit. But anyway, um, let's just read the passage. This is Acts 22, verse 6 and following. I'm just going to read it. Go there with me. Go there. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now, those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me 
and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of your fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you would be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Why wait? Be baptized. This is beautiful. And I love this text because you see that the arrangement of events. This is important because the people that are arguing for baptism being an outward sign of an inward expression, most of the times they'll appeal to the sentence structure. So they'll go to a passage where it says to repent first and then be baptized. So in their minds, they think that's proof that a person should cognitively wrestle with ideas and then on their own decide, you know what, it's right to follow Jesus. And then after receiving that experience, then to get baptized as a sign of what you just did, which was take God seriously to become a Christian. That's sort of the way it plays out. Could be worded differently, but that's the trajectory most of the times in just the generic American church. But what I like about this passage is baptism is clearly distinctively tied to the forgiveness of sins is very clear. And this helps the case because if you look at a passage like the Great Commission, if you're arguing for the sentence structure, well, repentance comes first, they say, then baptism. Well, if you go to the Great Commission passage, Matthew 28, it says to first be baptized, right? So go out as you're going, go out, make disciples. How do you do that, Jesus? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them. So the sentence structure is reversed. So the point can't be about the order of the words. The point is baptism is tied to salvation. So there's a partnership between repentance and baptism that brings salvation. It's not about this first, this second. The reality is God repents us and through baptism, he washes away our sins. And that's very clear in this passage. Acts 16, it says, and now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. I love this because Saul has this experience with Jesus himself and Jesus tells him to do this. That's important to understand. Jesus didn't deem baptism as just some outward sign or maybe a step that just shows people around you that you're now serious about Jesus. It says particularly in verse 16, and now why do you wait, rise and be baptized and wash away your sins? Baptism washes away sins. 
That is the plain reading of this text. This says calling on his name. So it shows you that baptism is not in competition with this trust that we have in our God, this faith that we lay hold of the promise that Christ has given us that he will forgive our sins. They go together. They go together. It's not a competition between faith alone and baptism. Baptism is tied to our faith, our regeneration, our salvation, the cleansing of sin. It's what's doing it. It's a means of grace whereby which God uses water in his word to deliver what Jesus won on the cross for us. I think this passage is very clear and I think it's difficult to mess it up. You have to read into this text to get this one wrong, in my opinion. So I think this is a this is one of those things you should just sit with, pray with, and just look at the scripture and take it at its simple meaning to rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. There's no there's no symbolic way to do that. It's just baptism is water. We know that Jesus's baptism was with real water. And Jesus tells Saul, the thing I did, baptism, you do it. You will receive the gifts that I'm delivering to you through this baptism, which is the washing away of your sins. I think it's very clear. And it's Jesus who does it. It's a gift from him to us. Selah. Pause. Think about that. Feel that. Enjoy that. Embrace it because it's a gift from God. So anyway, much more could be said. All right, real quick. So if you want to learn more about ancient Christianity as preserved through Lutheran thought on important topics like baptism, the Lord's Supper, justification by faith alone, the law and the gospel, and so many other beautiful confessions, make sure you check out cph.org. There you'll find so many Christ-centered resources that'll help you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and the hope of the gospel. You will find books, Bible studies, devotionals, and some of my favorites like The Spirituality of the Cross by Gene Veith, Has American Christianity Failed by Brian Wolfmuller, to name a few. You feel me? Make sure you go to cph.org or you can go to cph.org slash flame and you will see a list of books that I've curated, that I've read personally, that have helped me out in my walk. So make sure you go there, tap in, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. You feel me? Yeah, we're going to get into this next chapter. It is chapter 24, page 162, and it is titled Off the Merry-Go-Round. Everybody remember Merry-Go-Rounds? Y'all probably like, what is a (laughs) Merry-Go-Round? A Merry-Go-Round is an old school way of having fun where you just go around and around and around in circles. So, yeah, there it is. (laughs) But anyway, I'm going to start it off. Unit four, let's go. What benefits does God give in baptism? In baptism, God forgives sins, delivers from death and the devil, and gives everlasting salvation to all who believe what he has promised. What is God's promise? In Mark 16, our Lord Jesus Christ says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. How can water do such great things? It is not water that does these things, but God's word with the water and our trust in this word. 
Water by itself is only water. But with the word of God, it is a life-giving water, which by grace gives the new birth through the Holy Spirit. St. Paul writes in Titus 3, he saved us in virtue of his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit, which he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs in the hope of eternal life. This saying is sure. Facts. All right, let's keep it going. Your baptism was the judgment in miniature, right? And on a, on a, on a, on a scale that's on a scale that we can grasp. That's what our baptism was. This was the last judgment in miniature. As the word was spoken and the water washed across your head, God told you what his verdict on you is and what it will be when the last day comes. Not guilty, he said. This child is mine. Then having rendered his verdict, God gave you all the gifts of the last judgment. Forgiveness, deliverance, and everlasting salvation. As the old Adam sees it, that's what we're boxing with. We're boxing with this, this nature in us that was put to death in Christ. But as, as we are still in this human flesh, still on this side of eternity, that old Adam, he, he tries to show his ugly face and to speak loudly in our minds and our ears and have us to, to, to believe his rhetoric says as the old Adam sees it there has to be a catch somewhere how in the world can God do that he asks what's he trying to do bribe me what does he want we must have to do something so he hunts around trying to find some kind of hidden agenda or concealed price tag to baptism aha the old Adam says here it is We have to believe it. That's the price tag. If you don't believe it, you'll never get these gifts. Right? The old Adam feels satisfied when he finds a work that he thinks we can perform to earn God's gifts. Like, ah, yes, that's what's most natural for me is to try to earn my way into God's favor. Anyway, I'm getting ahead. All right, let's go. If you don't believe it, you'll never get these gifts. It says so right in the catechism, everlasting salvation to all who believe what he has promised. He who believes and is baptized God's word with the water and our trust in the word. That's what you have to do. He says, now get busy and believe it. There is method to the old Adam's madness. If he succeeds in convincing you that this is a condition That's what he's after to convince us here. Here are the terms that you have to participate in to get the gifts. If he it says, if he succeeds in convincing you that this is a condition we must meet, if we are to receive God's promise, he'll drive you into a circle that doesn't end. His chase will be on again. God doesn't work that way, though. There is no catch, no trap, no hidden agenda, or price tag to baptism. It is a sheer gift freely given. 
God wants you to believe that and expects you to. But he's not waiting for you to come up with enough belief or trust on your own. He gives you what he commands. We got to stop right there. He gives what he commands. Look at this gracious God that we serve. So God commands something from us, but he knows that we do not have the wherewithal to give him what he commands. We don't have the life in us to give him. We don't have the faith to give him. We don't have the trust. All we are are broken. The Bible says that we are born dead in sin. We are blind. Romans 3, none seeks God. No, not one. So we don't even have necessary life in us to see God as he is, to respond to him the way he deserves. But God in his grace gives us us what he commands because he's a gracious gift giving kind God amen (laughs) he gives us what he commands making a believer out of you by putting the old Adam to death and raising up the new you with his gifts that's what he does he puts the old Adam down he kills him and then he raises us up as a new person in Christ with his gifts, right? So God gives us this gift of faith. He brings us the necessary um, things within ourselves to lay hold of his promise. And that is faith. And that's trust in him. We'll look at the old Adam's endless circle first, and then consider how God gives us the faith to go with his promises, the circle. So he's about to explain this circle that we keep going on trusting in the old Adam and his his appetite for a condition. So let's let's talk about this circle. Do you ever wonder what kind of impression you make on people? That seems to concern all of us at one time or another. And it can be painful too, especially in regard to people who are important, whose impression of us matters. The pain is in the wondering and doubting as you try to figure out what people admire you, what they think of you. You might see some signs that they do respect you, that they're willing to be considered your friends. But then you might see some signs on the other side, too. They might not take time to talk with you, for instance, or you might not be invited along with them for something special. When that happens, you can begin to feel rejected, left out, unliked, or unlikable. What happens then? Well, you might decide that those people really weren't worth that much concern anyway, that you're better off without them. Or you might decide that you have to try harder, doing some things to make sure you make the kind of impression you want, that resolve, right? I got this. (laughs) It might work to try harder, but it can turn out another way too. If you try to make impressions, you can get caught on a merry-go-round where every effort to impress just makes you wonder and doubt all the more. You might buy some new clothes, for instance, and still wonder if they produce the right effect. You might try again by telling stories about your accomplishments If that didn't work, you might try something different. 
pretty soon you would be going in circles, trying, wondering, trying, wondering, never quite sure what the people you wanted to impress really thought of you. That's relatable, right? We're in, a, we're in this new environment, this new space, and you, you have that curiosity. How am I being received? First time, if it didn't go the way you thought, you try to double down or you get discouraged. When the old Adam succeeds in tying a condition to baptism, making it appear that we have to show God how much we believe before he'll give us his gifts, the same merry-go-round starts. We try to believe and then wonder if we believed enough. Try again and wonder some more. Constantly working to come up with something that will put our doubts to rest. And this is this is very relatable. Oftentimes it's in this space that that merry-go-round, that circle is expressed in people being repeatedly baptized. Someone asked me that on social media, like, man, Flame, you think I should get baptized again because I just really start living for the Lord again. And in their minds, baptism is still a work that they do. So they think it's it's a, another way of showing God. Here I am again, God, ready to bite down and and do what I got to do. And that's why I'm, I'm trying to help unpack that baptism is God's work. And we can trust in his gifts that he delivers because the Bible says he is faithful even when we are not. So I say, nah, bro, you don't need to be rebaptized. Return to your baptism. But we're going we gonna to talk about it. Let's keep going. <laughs> All right. It's like a story. A Swedish lady told about a pastor in her country. The man was glad. He was humble, she said, because he knew that Christians should be humble. But then he was sad <laughs> that he was glad that he was humble. Because a person who is really humble shouldn't be glad about it. <laughs> that cycle. But then he was glad that he was sad that he was glad that he was humble. Because at least when he was sad about being glad, he was humble again. Right? <laughs> so it's this, this back and forth in your mind oftentimes. That's just how it works. When we start trying to manufacture our own faith, trying to drum up enough trust to show God that we really deserve the promise, the merry-go-round keeps turning. We start putting faith in our faith. Now, this is important because a lot of times people can hear me saying that we ought to, you know, lay hold of God's promise by faith. And because your mind is already conditioned to do those works to show or to prove you're thinking, well, let me trust in my faith. Let me put faith in my amount of faith. So you start to try to measure your faith. I'm believing a little. I'm believing a lot. I'm not believing enough. And you start thinking of faith in those terms. But that's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about this gift that God gives us that gives us the freedom to trust in our God, to passively receive from him as opposed to actively performing enough of something to show God something. That's not what we're talking about. So this is important. He says, we start putting faith in our faith, trusting our own trust, believing that we deserve the promise because we believe. That's not faith or trust in God and his promises, but faith in ourselves 
and what we've done or are doing. It's just one more of the old Adam's tricks because that's what the old Adam in, in us is doing. He's always looking for works for us to perform because that's how we're most naturally satisfied is when we're doing something to earn something. But Christianity is not that. It's not what's most natural. It's it's different. And God is giving us something as opposed to us doing what feels most natural, which is trying to earn something. Oh, it's such a, it's such a struggle. I get it. Moving on. The faith God gives. God doesn't send us on this kind of wild goose chase. He doesn't expect us to believe by our own effort or strength. Rather, he gives us faith as a gift. He himself provides the belief and trust in us that go with his promises. How? In the word, in baptism, in the Lord's Supper. So God, he gives us these gifts that supernaturally create those realities in us. And when he's doing his work in us, we naturally respond because we are we are branches in the vine. Right. He is the true vine. We are the branches. So as we are tied to him, naturally, the sustenance flowing from him flows to us. And then we produce based upon the life that he's giving us, not our own. And that's what baptism and the Lord's Supper does. These are earthly things tied with God's word that God uses as a means to deliver us these gifts. Look again at the concern for making good impressions. Some people make you feel that you have to do something special to impress them. But there are other people, even if they are rare, who let you know in small ways or large that they are already impressed with you, that they care for you and will accept you even when you're Sore spots show. Good friends are like that. You don't have to impress them. They're already impressed enough with you to like and respect you, even when you're at your worst. You can relax with them and be yourself without worrying what they think of you. How do you learn to trust friends like that so completely? It's not by command. That's important. If somebody you didn't know came up to you and said, now you have to be my friend. And trust me completely. You need to ask why, excuse yourself politely, or turn around and run. (laughs) No, you learn to trust close friends because they show you in small ways and large that they can be trusted. That's how God gives us the faith that goes with his promises. In baptism, he says, Christ has given me my impression of you. In baptism, he says, quote, Christ has given me my impression of you. Mm, Beautiful. In Christ, I have the best impression possible. The impression that you are not guilty, that you're one of mine and worth keeping forever. But that's not just my impression. It's my decision, word and promise to you. End quote. Ooh, that's beautiful. That's what God says to us in baptism. Let me read that again because it's so sweet. Listen to it. In baptism, he says, quote, Christ has given me 
my impression of you. Christ to the Father. In Christ, I have the best impression possible. The impression that you are not guilty. That you are one of mine and worth keeping forever. But that's not just my impression. It's my decision. The Father decides this in our baptism. I'm deviating. It's my decision, word, and promise to you, end quote. Having said it, God acts on it, giving you his gifts. And that's just the beginning. From baptism onward, God sends his spirit to work in us day after day to make believers out of us. Now, this is important because oftentimes we don't think of God continuing to make believers out of us day after day because we typically emphasize the 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 one time we believed and moved into our Christian faith. And that's a beautiful thing. Some of us can point that back to our baptism as an infant. Some of us can point that back to our conversion later on in life. And typically we think of our salvation as that one time. And that is a reality. God saves us at one time, either in your infant baptism or maybe a conversion experience. But God continues to give us faith. He continues to save us. He continues to keep us. And that's what he's talking about here. He says that from baptism onward, God sends his spirit to work in us day after day to make believers out of us. So it's a, it's an ongoing reality. Yes, definitively it took place and it's continuing to take place as God continues to deliver his gifts to us through the reality of baptism. Let's keep going. He speaks to us in the word, assuring us that God holds nothing against us and will not allow anything to separate us from him. He gives us the word again and again to reassure us that having decided to be our God, he is going to raise us from the dead. And he comes to be with us in the Lord's Supper to renew us in his gifts. I look at God's multiplicity of ways that he delivers his gifts to us, not only baptism, but also the Lord's Supper. Beautiful. And he continues to be with us in the Lord's Supper to renew us in his gifts, to put us on the way again. All the while, the spirit surrounds us with others in the church. He is always at work to give us faith. That's God's work, constantly giving us faith, delivering it to us through his sacraments, to hold us and keep us in it. I like that, to hold us and to keep us in it. He is full of gifts and always giving. That's just what the old Adam can't believe. It can't be a gift, he says. Somehow there has to be a catch to it. (laughs) the world doesn't work that way there's a catch to everything you get what you pay for you have to win friends and influence people ah (laughs) think what would happen if god just gave these gifts that's what the old adam says and that's important I'm, i'm gonna talk about that how would anyone ever be good if it weren't for a reward And what about people who are baptized and never do anything about it? What about people who aren't baptized at all? There must be something we have to do 
ourselves to get what we want from God. That's what the old Adam is stuck on. He can't overcome that way of thinking. We have to earn it. And then he just runs through this litany, this list of ways to get back to proving something to God, to earn something before him. And that is the wrong thing to do. And and one of the things that he said that really hit me, a lot of people have reserves because they say, well, if you tell people baptism is a gift, people are going to take advantage of it. Now, for sure, people can take advantage of God's gifts, but they can also do that in any regard. A person can say because they go to church that they're saved, even though they may be living contrary to what it means to be a Christian. So it doesn't have to be baptism. So just because people can abuse a good thing doesn't mean you do away with the truth of the scriptures. That's the wrong conclusion. So you shouldn't say, well, if you tell everybody what God's word actually says about baptism, then they may think it's magic and try to take advantage of God. So therefore, stop teaching the truth. No, that's the wrong thing to do. How about we continue to uphold the truth and then remind people of what their baptism is, what our baptism is. That's what Paul does in Romans 6. He says, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. What's the basis upon which Paul says this? Our baptism. He says, because we were buried with Christ and we rose with Christ. So if we're believers and we're baptized into Christ, real water tied to God's word, then it it shows itself in the bearing of fruit. Now that fruit is the result of the gift of repentance, but nonetheless, that's what springs forth from the reality of our baptism. So if people are abusing baptism, we call them to what baptism really is. We don't stop teaching the truth of it because of the abuse. So anyway, much more can be said. Let me go on. We're nearing the end. Just two more paragraphs. No, God says there isn't a catch. All I have to give is yours, and I've given it to you in your baptism as a gift. All I want is to make a believer out of you, and I'm doing that myself. I'm making you what I want you to be. I started in your baptism, and I'm going to keep at it until the day I take you to myself. Seeing that, recognizing and receiving the gift is what finally destroys the old Adam. Woo! Receiving the gift is what finally destroys the old Adam. Praise God. God's gifts are the death of him. For when you recognize the gift, you see that all of the old Adam's attempts to impress God are worthless. Just so much religious junk the old Adam puts on to display to show himself off. It is manufactured faith, sham religion that is designed to impress God and others without asking too much of you. Finally, it can only drive you into the circle, putting you on the merry-go-round again. But at the same time, when you recognize the gift, you can see how the new you is born in the water and the word of baptism. It is the you God is setting free. Knowing the promise of baptism, you are free from having to impress God. You are free to call upon him, asking him to give you the belief and trust he promises to give you. You are free from having to impress your neighbors with the old Adam's religion. You are free 
to speak the word to your neighbors, telling them all God does and gives. You are free from having to wonder and doubt what the future and God's judgment will be. You are free from that. You are free to believe what he has already told you, tells you, and will keep telling you in the church. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. That's you. You can be sure of it. Woo! Oh my goodness. What a gift. We can we can we can bank on it. We can stand on it. We can know for a fact God keeps his word. He is faithful even when we are not faithful. And that's the point. So man, we talked a lot. Hopefully you're getting a lot out of this and and you're seeing the way Christianity should really be framed and centered around Jesus and the gifts that he delivers to us and continues to deliver to us and will always deliver to us until he brings us to himself ultimately. So that's my hope. Um, That's my prayer that this that this reading and this and this conversation and the project word and water is serving as an encouragement and pointing you to God himself and the gifts that he gives us in the sacraments. But in this context, we're talking about baptism. So anyway, much more could be said. I'm enjoying this. So let's keep it going. Um, Yeah. Spread the word. Let everybody know that you are enrolled, that you are a student at Extra Notes Academy. But anyway, this your boy Flame, a.k.a. St. Lou. And remember, God does not need our good works, but our neighbor does. You feel? I say before you go, that extra note. <laughs>